Hey. Hey. Before we start this podcast properly, yeah. we've got a big shout out to do. Massive thanks. To the Bookyard. They have made this episode possible, not because they're sponsoring us or anything. Nope. Because my computer completely broke this week and um, they fixed it for me. Um, so Dan works in IT, so he knew about the off and on he again. used to work stuff. in IT. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't know more than that. And we took it to the bookyard in Liverpool. <laughs> they specialise in Macs, which is what this thing was. Yeah. And uh, they did the IT equivalent of uh, that defibrillator thing on it. It was yeah. touch and go <laughs> whether <laughs> whether she'd pull through, but she did. And we're very grateful or else we'd have to record this whole episode again. So thanks to you guys. And if you have any Mac issues, make sure... You check them out. We really recommend them. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. You do great. Enjoy our podcast. Love, actually. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to our Christmas special. Very exciting. Part one, can I say that? Yep. Part one of our Christmas special. Um, it's Love Actually, my love. Actually is. I actually love this film so much. It's the best Christmas film ever. The only thing that's slightly sad is I've seen it way too many times, so it's now boring. You still love it? You still think it's the best Christmas film ever? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I wanted to go into it with an open mind because I think we're beginning to paint me as quite um, shallow and simple-minded in my movie tastes. Mm -hmm. Death, death, death. That's all you're about. (laughs) Give me some of that sweet, sweet death. Um, (laughs) And I wanted to try and go into it an open mind. Loads of people say that this is the greatest Christmas movie and a brilliant romance movie and whatever. And, And I wanted that to happen for me. It just didn't. And I think part of it is it's trying too hard all the time. What's wrong with trying hard? There's a difference between trying hard and try hard. What about the cast? You've got to agree, the cast is an amazing cast. Incredible, amazing. I kept seeing people and thinking, that's a really famous person. How are they in this as well? I think some and of And such a massive cast, because I'm sure you know, but if you don't know, it's it's like loads of... St- it's like 10 people's... Stories in Overlapping one. Stories. Ten films in one. Yeah, and that's part of the problem, I think, is there's no real depth to it. I like it. I get bored easily. I'm like, oh yeah, now now this one, now this one. It's like a soap, but like a really good like like a soap with the the budget of like forty million or something. So you've been shopping in Lush. <laughs> I get it, I get yeah, it. Yeah, expensive so. soaps. Okay. What did you love about it? And then we'll move on to what you hated about it. Uh, I thought the soundtrack was was good. Oh yeah, to be honest. some great. F- I mean, Girls Aloud. I know you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> They're um, allowed. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was uh, Nora Jones. Auntie Nora, big big fan of Auntie Nora. Dido, um, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Joni Mitchell. I've heard of these people. Basically, rollers. 
Who's yeah. the Cassidy? Oh yeah, I I wrote down uh, about Auntie Nora when she pops up in the uh, th- thing. She really can sing, can't she? And then she's followed immediately by Eva Cassidy on the soundtrack. I'm like, oh yeah, well that's just uh, that way to one up on the singing strokes, strokes, stakes. Mm. And that girl at the end, how good a singer is she? With the little girl, yes. Apparently, she was really good. You told me this, yeah. And then the internet verified it. Not that I didn't trust you. <laughs> but the internet also told me that they had to edit her voice because she was too good. She was so good, they had to put in extra little breaths to make it realistic. And that was all her own singing. All her own voice, yeah. So there's a 12-year-old girl in it who sings like a legend. All I want for Christmas is you. So some of the stuff. Um, you moving on to stuff you hate? No, not hate. I just think like, so I'm a fan of Richard Curtis from when he wrote Blackadder. Did he write Blackadder? But he wrote it with Ben Elton. And I've said this about Ben Elton before. I prefer it when his writing is in a team. So if they had a baby together... You would if love those that two baby. men, if those two men had a baby together, oh, the whole world would the whole world <laughs> would love that baby. Yeah, um, I love Richard Curtis. The only thing I don't love about him is that I do love him. Wait, <laughs> what? I'll explain. Right, please. Every film, I'm like, oh, I love that film. I love that film. And then I realised when I didn't know anything about directors, I was like, oh, that same guy just knows how to manipulate my emotions and the emotions of. All women. All women. <laughs> Richard Curtis is some kind of lady emotion <laughs> it's like manipulator. Or something. And when I found out that the same guy wrote all of the films that I love, that made me feel uneasy. <laughs> like that he's what? like some kind of trickery and that if I met him in the street, he'd be able to trick me into falling in love with, with him or anyone he he chose. I think you've confused <laughs> him for Darren Brown. <laughs> I think Darren Brown's gay. So What's it got to do with anything? He's not going to walk down the street and trick you into falling in love with it. I mean, he might. It might be his <laughs> latest TV special. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what I, was, I think there are a few pro- problems with the writing that if you'd put a bit of Ben Elton in there or somebody else, I wouldn't have minded. Like, early on, you've got Bill Nye doing his shock-swearing Christmas version. I was like, mm, that's a... It's a bit old hat now. And swearing. Yeah, (laughs) swearing is like, oh, that's funny. Somebody's swearing. It's like, "Mm, no, it's not. And then there's a lot of fat stuff in there. Oh, yeah. I've got a shocking fact for you that I read today. Please shock me. Okay, guess who wore a fat suit in this film? I actually read this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. But tell me. Emma Thompson. She was too thin, apparently, or something. But she didn't look fat, and she just looked like a normal woman. She must be really skinny. So one Why of why don't you just eat a few donuts? <laughs> one of my things with this film was partway through, they start calling Martine McCutcheon fat. Oh yeah, Making and I'm like, jokes about her thighs and stuff. She's not fat. She's just not. She's not yeah. at all. And if I was Martine McCutcheon and I'd been cast to play the fat one, I would be really annoyed. Not as no- annoyed as the actress 
who's got massive thighs who really wanted this role. That poor lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so it starts having a go. And all the time I'm like, you know, I started looking at Martin McCutcheon's thighs and <laughs> bum and being like, that's not a fat lady. Stop saying it. It happens two or three times. There's a lot of inappropriate workplace relationships. And then yeah. um, Bill Nye's character, who's called Billy Mac, mm-hmm. um, he has a manager who is fat and he's called Chubbs and Fatty and whatever. He genuinely is fat, though. Yeah, but... That's okay. He's not... No, yeah, no, it's okay for him to be fat. It's not okay for the movie to make fun of the fact that he's fat and reduce his character to... He's the fat guy who hangs around with Billy. Like... I think you're just too woke. No, I just felt like that's not good writing. Yeah, okay. So this is an old film, 2003, Mm -hmm. so it's pretty old now. I feel like if they made another similar kind of film with like 10 love storylines, you can't do that now with without having a a gay storyline like there were 10 heterosexual love stories well and are they all n- no some of them are like friendship like so the storyline between uh that old guy bill billy and his manager joe yeah that's a friendship relationship okay yeah but they're platonic that's not a, that's not a gay yeah relationship yep it, it was also pretty white very white but what slightly redeems it is well, I don't know, maybe this makes it even worse. Um, they did have more storylines and it was too complicated. So they used 10 storylines, so it was actually 14 storylines. Um, right. And they they did have uh, a lesbian. They had the head teacher of the school, who was like an oldish woman, was a lesbian. So they had a storyline. And they actually filmed it and stuff. And then that got cut out. I did not know that. So I don't know if that makes it better that there was one in originally or worse that they went, oh, we've got to cut one out. Which one should we cut? Yeah, and to be honest, I would have been tempted to cut the Martin Freeman porn star stand-ins one. Yeah, or the one that I really don't like is Colin. Like, I know it's sort of like funny, but it it's so oh, yeah. ridiculous and also, it doesn't interact with any other stories, really, so it would be easy to cut. Well, it does. So he's the he's part of the catering staff mm. at the wedding of the other stuff. But you I you wouldn't saw miss him. him though if it wasn't it. Like it's so crazily over the top silly that it sort of takes away from the storylines, which are much more realistic. Yeah, it it's. I mean. I don't think it's meant to be a true-to-life film. Like, there's so many things that wouldn't happen in real life. What, you don't think the Prime Minister would go knocking on doors looking for a woman? Like, he's probably With got that data copper. somewhere, hasn't he? Does the Prime Minister know where everyone is? Now that Cambridge Analytica exists, then yes, he's definitely got that data. Imagine the the fuss that would be in the press if, like, Boris just went... Knocking on doors, looking for a woman, and just went, just went knocking on everyone's door, being like, "Does Natalie live here?" And then moving on that to the next one. That was a good Hugh Grant. That was a good Hugh Grant impression. <laughs> was it? Thanks. Yeah. So I don't think it's meant to be true to life, um, but the one with Chris Marshall as Colin, I just felt like, no, none of that worked for me. So and then he goes off to America. I saw him and I was like, "Oh, there's Chris Marshall doing that thing he did in My Family." Yeah. yeah he's he plays. 
that guy in my family. It's the same That's role. not his fault, though. He's been typecast. Well, I think he he does something differently now in Death in Paradise, but I haven't watched those series of that TV show. Anyway, and he just goes off to America because he thinks he's going to be the king of shagging in America, and then immediately walks into a bar with three very attractive Americans who are like, let's go and have a foursome or a fivesome or something because there's more people. It It just, yeah. Like, I'm willing to forgive it that because that was quite clearly nonsense. But that would have been the storyline I would have cut. Yeah, me too, yeah. I always wonder with this film, how do Americans take it? Because it's a very British film. And there's that bit with the Prime Minister where he stands up and is like, we're going to stand up against our bullying American president and and all of that stuff. And it's very anti-America. And also, I guess the Collins stuff is a bit weird about America. So I feel like Americans must think, what do they think of this film? Well, I've been to America, and at no point did uh, f- <laughs> three or four like movie star level hot chicks ask me back to their house to do the sexy times. Yeah, me too. I've been to America too, and that didn't happen for me, but I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's probably for the best, love. Um, I really think we should move on from that, really. Oh, I have heard that it didn't go down... Well, it, I've read it had mixed reviews, which no one ever says that in a good way, do they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Show me the film that had mixed reviews. I wonder if you want to watch that one. I think about the politician stuff, I was watching it, and especially 2020 has been a mad year for politics in the UK and Why, what's, ha- what's happened? nothing much Um, so we're fighting through Brexit in the UK and um, we've not long had the the, uh, election uh, president-elect Joe Biden and the refusal, Donald Trump's refused to concede and then you've got Billy Bob Thornton and Hugh Grant playing politics with absolutely no politics in the scene at all like, there's no detail. It just felt so vague. Oh, and yeah, so yeah. Because they couldn't talk about an actual issue. They couldn't put any real yeah, politics that w- into I it. I did think that when I was watching that bit. And maybe it's just because this last year I have been watching a lot of news and, and reading about politics. Maybe in 2003 it was a bit. Well, they still had 9 11 and it happened in 2001. Maybe the world wasn't quite that so. That did get referenced at the beginning. Politics and whatever. But it just felt like this is this is someone who has not even heard of politics writing a drama. Do you remember that in that Mitchell and Webb look sketch where they have those two writers who don't know anything about medicine and they <laughs> write the medical drama? He's really poorly. Give him some medicine, but not the medicine that makes him worse. Yeah, and then at the end he holds up a buttercup beneath his chin <laughs> and goes, well, we don't know what killed him. But we do know that he really loved butter. Like, it felt like that level of politics. <laughs> like, mm, I, I can see we're not going to agree here. And, and yeah. I think that's like a microcosm for, of the film for me. Because they're trying to shoehorn so many storylines in there, then it's just a snippet and it, there's no real depth. And at, at, I think when you're at a slight emotional distance from it, like I was, it's like, well, this is all just a bit nothingy it's just like hollow emotion and glitz turned up to 
11. That's My kind of film, Hollow Emotion and Glitz. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a reputation. Apparently people didn't like how I felt about Moulin Rouge. And now with if I'm if it sounds like I'm bashing love actually, I'm gonna get firebombed. Petrol bombed. <laughs> and no, I do have some plotline criticisms. Uh do you wanna hear them? We oui, re, oui, of course. So yeah, a few I do love this film, but then watching it critically, I've got some stuff to say. Uh first of all, Colin Firth, when he goes and moves to the south of France, um so his wife has cheated on him. He goes off to just, you know, find himself and write a novel. Um, <laughs> firstly, why is he using a typewriter? What an idiot. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, why can't he clean his own house? Like, it's not like he's got loads to do. It's not like he's got a demanding job or a family or anything. Like, who goes to, like, hire a cottage or something in the south of France? To just chill out and doesn't clean their own I house. I think he owns that cottage. So the first lady comes to the door, it looks like she's been looking after the cottage for him, and she provides this cleaner, Aurelia. And I'm like, yeah, I had the same things. What does this guy do that he can just... His his wife sleeps with his brother, and he goes, oh, it's okay. I should go and go to my lovely south of France uh, house. And get a cleaner. And get a cleaner. And sit there with a the typewriter. It, it, yeah, go on. Sorry, carry on. Um, some of the plot line issues. Oh yeah, this is the biggest one that I'm like, how would that work out? The guy that goes round to Kira Knightley's house with the cards at the end, and he holds up a message that's basically like, "Oh, I love you, but I I'm know you with someone else." Um, what would he have done if the man had answered the door? Did he have a different set of cards? <laughs> like, hi. Well, why would he even have got... Like, that's a weird... That's a really weird thing to do. And he's like... At first he's like, oh, say his, it's carol singers. And then puts the CD on of, like, carols. But, like, what if the guy had come and been like, oh, yeah. I'm feeling Christmassy. I love oh, carols. What? Sing me I some think carols. normally if carol singers come to the door, you go and watch, even if you do it resentfully. Yeah, he he yells something like, throw him a pound and tell him to get lost. It, it's a bit, it's an example of movie logic, I think, where certain unlikely things had to happen in order for the scene to work at all. Yep. Uh, some other plot line issues. Um, would you, Dan, if you went to see your kids doing an activity play and the curtains rolled back and you saw Boris Johnson having a snug... Would you clap that? No, he's he's (laughs) a total creep sex pest. Um, And uh, yeah, Boris, come over to our house and I'll say it to your face. Um, I think that kind of thing, he gets away with it because it's Hugh Grant. You never think, oh, that's the Prime Minister. And that's where I feel like it's um, it's not rooted in reality at all. Because we know the Prime Minister has a big convoy of cars and and security people and police officers and what have you. Yeah, you probably can't sneak into a primary school. Also, that's really bad security of the primary school, isn't it? Yeah, dear normal-sized Martin McCutcheon goes, <laughs> it's my primary school. I knew it since I was a kid. I know all the back entrances, which <laughs> children don't. 
like at a primary school, you go where you're told. The well, how long know. since she'd been in that primary school? Yeah, she looked older it than 12. No, what I mean is like they could have changed it. That porter cap is new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it. I just don't think it's the greatest thing ever. You know? Yeah. There's moments where, like, Emma Thompson, really great actress. I oh, think yeah. We should all know that now. We'll come on to her. That storyline. <laughs> that's the that's the one that that gets me. Oh my word, my ear holes. Yeah, that situation with Emma. I feel yeah. like it's very relatable as a parent. Like, have you been in that situation where, like, something bad's happened, but you have to like just hold it together for your kids? Yeah. It's hard, like, so I remember one time in particular when I had cancer, remember that? I remember it well, yeah. And uh, it was a couple of years ago, and um, not the bad kind. Because uh, <laughs> there's a good kind. It's just mild, mild, mild cancer. And, mild um, or spicy cancer, please. <laughs> and uh, I was just, you know, making jokes about it, really. And I was like, oh, they'll sort me out, they'll do a thing. I was never, like, worried I was going to die or anything. Um, and then, so I came in to the hospital for this chat with a consultant and, um, she was like, well, you're going to have to have an operation in about four weeks. And I was like, four weeks, I've got a theater booked then I've got my comedy show. I'm not changing the date of my comedy show. Don't you know I'm a comedian? <laughs> and I think sure she, she, <laughs> she was like, this is the time to give the big chat and make her see that it's a bit more serious than that. So, um, she was like, yeah, you're going to have your lymph nodes out and that's like going to affect you for the rest of your life because you actually need your lymph nodes for stuff. Um, and you're not going to be able to go back to work for like a month afterwards, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this actually is quite a big deal. But I couldn't like do anything about it emotionally then because I was like, okay, great. Now I've got to pick up my kid from nursery. Um, so like rushed back, did all that stuff, did about five more hours of life and stuff. And then once the kids were in bed, I was like, okay, bah, now I can process all this information. Cause you just have to like hold it together sometimes. Yeah. And you see that a bit in the film where she goes out of the room to cry and then comes back. And then in. comes back. Yeah. And there's like. I'm so excited about your nativity play. It sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Alan Rickman. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> Alan Rickman, <laughs> more like. It's it's also a bit irritating because what is the message of that story? I don't know. So the film is called Love, actually, so it seems to be about love or whatever, but She's married to Alan Rickman's character. Oh, found out something about him this afternoon. Oh, yeah? He's dead. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yes. Serves him right. <laughs> for, playing a, for playing the part of a person. Uh, uh, that bitch. Uh, <laughs> Rip. Rip. <laughs> I was mocking you by doing that, and you were doing it on purpose. Serious. <laughs> um, 
so I, I just don't understand it. He's married to her, but he's uh, he does a sexy time with his secretary and gets her. Does he though? Yeah, I read a thing that said the script editor or whatever, not Richard Curtis. They're definitely meant to have had sex. All right, but but you don't know that from the film. You don't, but then so there's one month. It it kind of does all the storylines in its higgledy piggledy way, and then you have one month later, and they're all in Heathrow, and that's how they're connected, apart from the yeah. school bit, and then he comes back. Where's he been? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I was going to say that as well. That's he, another. He comes line. back from somewhere. They're all like on the same flight apparently because they all kick out at the same time, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek. And that's it. It's like, are they are they together? Are they separated? Has he moved in with that other girl? Like, is he living in a different country now? It's not it's not resolved, is it? But I think it feels kind of weak. I don't want to go too far, but it feels a bit cowardly. How would you resolve that storyline? Have her not collect him. Have him arrive at the uh, airport and have another one of the characters collect him or have him like have to get a cab to the house okay i would have him <laughs> she takes him on get your own back and gets him in the, <laughs> in the pool of grunge that'd be a great <laughs> end to that, to that story <laughs> i've got one more plot line mm-hmm. uh issue i don't think the lady for that makes a tease in number 10 would be in the press conference you know when he's like doing that speech and she's just there. I'm like, why is she there? She's a tea lady. She wouldn't <laughs> be in that room. Tea anyone? <laughs> um, she's, is it Mrs. Miggins from Father Ted? Once you start to pick it apart a little yeah. bit, there's a lot of little bits that you can go, mm, no. I've got some fun facts about the film. I'm excited for some fun. The most shocking fact that my sister told me this once, yeah. But I've been on the internet and rev- verified it. Verified <laughs> it. Um, there's only five years between the kid who plays Sam and Kira Knightley, so he's five like years in age. Yeah, in real life age. So he was like thirteen, playing a ten-year-old, and he looked like a ten-year-old. Unlike Billy Elliot, he looked like a thirteen-year-old. I never know. Um. And she was like 18 playing like a 25-year-old or something, which I think she could just about pull off. But that is, that's mental. That was surprising when you told me that. I did not realise that. That's weird. Uh, Another fun fact about her that I'm sure she'd love us chatting about on this podcast. Let's do it then. You know the Banoffee Pie scene? Yes. Does she love Banoffee Pie? Maybe that's not the point of the scene. The scene where she goes around to get the video and the... The videos all I of her. I remember it, yeah. You know, sh- do you remember she was wearing this like cute little hat? N- not that particularly, but yeah, time. okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Hats. She had a massive zit on her face. <laughs> That's what she had to wear that hat. Good old spotty haired <laughs> nightly, as they call from her. the past. <laughs> I'm not right, there's jingle for that as well. <laughs> Another fact there was a product placement in this film. Did you spot it? Frosted Flakes. Yep. Um, I don't know what they're trying to say about Frosted Flakes. It's the scene where Emma Thompson is talking to that guy whose wife just died. Liam Neeson, yeah. Like, so what are Frosted Flakes 
trying to say with that? Like, oh, wife just died. Need some sugar? Eat our cereal. <laughs> I'll be your sugar. Grab a handful of these. Like, not even with milk or anything. They're just yeah. both right But I there. think you can do that when your wife's died. How long does that last? I At <laughs> what point do you have to start putting milk back on the cereal? No, that is a good point. But I'd say, like, five, six months. If I die, I'll allow you to eat cereal straight out the bag. Yeah, but it's before be you knew me, you just ate cereal all the time, just cereal and takeaways. So maybe it'll go back to that. Um, more facts. Uh, yeah, those Heathrow bits are, are real at the beginning. Oh yes, yeah, so there's there's documentary footage of um, people being reunited in the Heathrow arrivals at the beginning and the end of the film. But all the other footage of the actors, I read this, was on a big set. Oh, not a real airport. Yeah, it must be hard to film in Heathrow. I imagine you'd have to fill in a form or two. Uh, they also filmed in the real Selfridges. Yeah. That shopping scene. As a fan of Rowan Atkinson and his <laughs> I thought work. you were going to say of Selfridges. As a fan of Selfridges, I've never been. Uh, just like the ballet, I'm a fan and I've never been. Um, as a fan of Rowan Atkinson, didn't think that was a great use of him. Um, which actress do you think was so lazy that she got a stunt double when she really, in my opinion, didn't need one? Um, go on. What a wuss. That Portuguese woman, you know when she jumped into that lake? Right. It must be that. I can't think of anything else she did that's a stunt. Maybe she just couldn't dive or something, but... Do you know what I read about that lake? What? That it was only 18 inches deep. What? Which And so they were, like, crawling around on their hands and knees and stuff. And Colin Firth got uh, stung by a mosquito and his elbow swole up, swelled up, swelled up, I think it is. <laughs> swelled up. He got a swolded elbow <laughs> Um, they, it said in the thing I was reading, I think it was IMDb, his elbow swelled up to the size of an avocado. I was like, how oddly specific. <laughs> Who is measuring that? Did Colin Firth go to the French <laughs> emergency room and there, excuse me, can you get your fruit chart out? I want to see how <laughs> large my elbow has become. Uh, I've got another fact if you want, actually. More facts. Hit me. I know. I've, I found another whole page. Um... Richard Curtis's own daughter was in this film. She was second lobster. Okay. That's probably one of my favourite lines when Emma Thompson starts going, there was more than one lobster at the birth of Jesus. Oh, yeah, that 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 is a good quote. The girl that pay, played first lobster, she yes. is the sister of the girl that plays Susan in Narnia. Who is Anna Popplewell. Yeah. And she's now a comedian. The sister is. Yeah, What's her name? Lulu. L- Lulu Popperwell. Yeah. And I listened to a podcast where she was talking about this film and she didn't realise that it wasn't normal to do a film. She was just like, oh yeah, my sister did a film when she was like 10 and now it's my turn to do a film. That was just what she thought was normal. There you go. Shall we do a credit shout out, my love? Yes, we should. There's a, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yourselves. 
It's such a massive hit, like so many people in it, so yeah. It's time for the credit shout out. Shout out! Shout out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like shoe coordinator. This is bound to lead to their future fame. We have uh, Anthony Anthony McPartland and Declan Donnelly as Anthony <laughs> Deck. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot they were in it. Good one. I would like to give a shout out to Billy Campbell, who was listed in the credits as Natalie's octopus brother. Good job, Billy. Go on. So I was astounded <laughs> when we looked at the credits of how many carpenters there were in this film. How many carpenters do you think there were? I think <laughs> there can't possibly have been more than like 10 or 15. 49 carpenters. 49! <laughs> One of them is called Paul Carpenter. Paul Carpenter! <laughs> oh, hang on. 49 carpenters and two wood machinists. I don't know how they're What's different. the difference? What's the difference <laughs> no between a carpenter and a wood knows. machinist? Uh, there was also 33 painters and 22 plasterers, five of which were called Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Facts you never needed to know, and you still don't. Well, um, they must have just made. There must have just been a lot of stuff to make. Yeah, so they made a big set for Ten Downing Street, and they made a big set for Heathrow Airport. So, uh, yeah, it must have just been like enormous stuff going on, which is impressive. And they got they managed to get so many Steves in. It really <laughs> it's uh, changed the face of work for Steves in two thousand three. <laughs> that did. No women. I don't think any of those plasterous painters or carpenters were women. Yeah, but you could change that. I don't have a time machine. <laughs> I wanted to highlight the PG assistant accountant trainee. <laughs> like, is there any way to tell that person they trust his work less? <laughs> you are the assistant accountant trainee. <laughs> you are uh. not even touching a calculator, Chris Norman. <laughs> We do not trust you to even recite the numbers of one to seven. Oh, I wonder what he's doing now. Probably he's McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Accounts. Going back a bit, to know who I want to give a little credit shout out to. Go on. He's not listed, but he knows who he is. The boy that was dressed as a king, but with a Spider-Man face paint. Spider-King, yes. Yeah. Well done. Right here, we're giving you the shout out. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of Eric because he likes to wear currently a like sort of dinosaur onesie with a Superman cape as well. Yeah, that felt very authentic. Yeah, that moment (laughs) in the film, the most authentic moment was a child's mismatch dress sense. Okay, who do you think was the hottest man and hottest woman? Uh, good question. Let's start with the man. The guy who played Stalker Mark was kind of good Stalker looking. Stalker Mark? No. What about Carl? Which one's Carl? He was really hot. You know, Sarah and Carl? Sarah and Carl. They're the ones that get together. See, you don't learn the... There's too many characters to learn the names. Um, oh, the, arc, she's the designer. She's the yeah. American. 
Yeah, and her brother is like mentally ill and they're like about to get it on and then she's like because she has a terrible ringtone because it's 2003. Yeah, it's the ringtone that killed the mood. (laughs) Oh yeah, if it was a bad ringtone. Still sexy. What what was (laughs) that? I don't know. It's quite hard to do an impression of a good ringtone. But I like to hear you try. Um... I felt like that was a bit sad. They were just like... That was a really sad storyline. You've got one chance at love, and if your brother's mentally ill, you ain't getting love. But it was more that she... I sort of... Similar to the Emma Thompson thing, is that she was, like, doing everything for her brother, like Emma was doing for her kids, and not thinking about herself. But then is the story of the film... If He's you're so selfless. hot, though. How did how did she manage to not have sex with him? But is sorry, I want to <laughs> I want to gloss over his hotness. <laughs> I want to gloss over the superficial and, and dig down and be like, is the story of the film if you're selfless, you don't get love? Yeah, I think I think that's the message. That's a pretty crappy message. <laughs> hey, everyone, go be selfish because you'll get to bang the hot people. Oh, hottest hottest woman. I mean, there's plenty to choose from. I don't know. I, it depends on your type. Uh, I think, because I genuinely think there's a lot of attractive women in the film. Kira Knightley. Who have we got? Kira Knightley. Attractive. Uh, worryingly thin from yeah, some angles. Like, and the city. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kira. Um, no, just, there's. I think there's one or two shots where I'm like, wow, that lady is really thin in this film. And they say the camera adds £10. So she got paid. That and ten pounds. Uh, Martin McCutcheon looked absolutely fine. She looked lovely in this film. Not fat at yeah, all. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, she's got a very kind face. <laughs> that sounds like an insult. And a generous backside. <laughs> what other women were in it? Uh, Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah. She she's hot in a in a like old person way. Like she's not. Old. She's just no, but like well, she is now. Yeah, she. I just I kind film. of want her to be my mum. I think. Uh, that that's not how mum works. <laughs> like, it's nice that she can um, paper mache a lobster's head as well. I think they've got an art department for that. <laughs> but. I wonder who actually did make that. Yeah, I could do that job, paper macheing for Hollywood films. <laughs> I like that you're back. I never see that advertised in the job centre. I like that your standard is as well. Like, I don't want to do really <laughs> good lobsters. I want to do the kids. Christmas nativity lobster heads. No, but it was quite. It was a professional standard. That wasn't a mum standard. Yeah, there's a plot hole. I I could be a professional paper macheist. I believe that you could. I I genuinely believe that you could. <laughs> um. Okay. Oh, hot woman. Did you, you haven't you haven't named expressed one a preference? Yet. I'm trying to think of who, who else. I feel like there must have been more. Oh, there was um the porno standing woman. Oh yeah, I forget Stacey her name. from Kevin and Stacey. I forget her name. Yeah, uh, she's very attractive. Oh, and the um the bitch. Oh, the yes. You can't fancy her, oh, because she's just so evil. Mia. Oh, yeah. and there was Carl and what's her face? Oh, Sarah. Sarah, the yeah. American. Oh, and then all the the hot American girls with, with Colin. Yeah. Oh, and the Portuguese woman. Yes, lot, lots that was nice. Them. I had a what issue with the Portuguese. Like, 
What's the big Portuguese community in Marseille? Like, he flies into Marseille, and then all of a sudden, there he's found her dad. Doesn't say how. Um, because he drops her off and she walks off, but or he knows where she lives, fine. He's found her dad, and then they. she's got a big fat sister. Ha, 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 fat, 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 ha, ha, ha. Oh, uh, yeah, it is quite a fat-shaming film. That's another yeah, bit of fat-shaming. Yeah, it's like Miss Dunking Donuts 2003, and you're like, mm, okay. And yeah. if, if he hadn't have learned good Portuguese, he would have had to marry her. Yeah, and he learnt really good Portuguese in a month, Um because he was going back to France to find this Portuguese woman that he doesn't know, he's never spoken to, and then yeah, why not just ask her out by email? <laughs> I know that's not so like Hollywood, but like, why not just fax her? Why? Why? Uh, why do you have to propose? That's not very sensible. Why not just ask her out? Yeah, and then like. Because we know that the French love roving mobs of foreigners not speaking French in their country. They love that kind of thing. So they're all wandering around shouting in Portuguese. And then he goes and declares his undying love for this woman that he's known for like four weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Did you know... There was a sort of sequel, a sort of terrible sequel to this that came out in 2017. Go on. Red Nose Day, actually. Is the start of a sentence. (laughs) So for Red Nose Day in 2017, he got together most of the cast and made this terrible, like, 15-minute film of, like, what's happened to them now, what's happened to all those storylines Nothing about this sounds good. I, I watched it today. It was awful. I mean, like, that's a difficult thing to write. How can you do that in 15 minutes and make it, like, funny and... I don't know. Did it have all, like, red noses in it and stuff? A bit. The, yeah, they mentioned red noses. And it was... It was... Ridiculous. Like, the guy that Colin Firth, who'd learnt Portuguese relatively well in this film had just like forgotten Portuguese and that was hilarious oh humour oh let's not let's not go into discussing it no one cares you can watch (laughs) it on the internet if you really want to but not gonna Ah. (laughs) I just think the great thing about Blackadder (laughs) was it had plot and it had knob gags and it had Curtis doing the plot and it had Ben Elton doing the knob gags. And Curtis has tried to do too many gags in this. He needs help with that, in my opinion. And I don't know either of these people or their writing process. I'm entirely unqualified to say any of this. But if he'd had a bit of help, just giving it some depth, giving it some actual humour, and taking out the fatty fatties, ha ha ha, it, it might have been better. Yeah. What storyline would you have liked to see in there? Because I feel like there was a bit too much of the same. I feel like there should have been a larger variety of couples. Like we mentioned, there wasn't any gay couples. But also, like, it was very white. It was quite a lot of sort of couples without kids. Yeah. Mainly. Like, they they could have had... 
You know, they could have had a teenage couple. They Maybe it's my bias because of where I exist at the minute, but it all felt very kind of fresh, new romance. Like yeah. the first blooms of, oh, I quite fancy that person. I'll do something about it. There was no kind of... and Well, there was one older couple relationship and that was Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Yeah, but they're not apart. that. They weren't old. It would have been nice to see somebody who was like celebrating 50 years of marriage or something. You want to watch The Notebook, love? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. Have yeah, I know. I was joking. <laughs> You've made me watch that. No, but I think it would have been nice to see a couple older who were succeeding. It would have, any any kind of yeah. like, we've been in love for more than a month story <laughs> and it's going okay would have been nice. Yeah, because is it really love in in the like? I've just walked into an American bar <laughs> down to Budweiser, and there's three hot babes who are hitting on me. Or is it just what like? What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Sorry, that that got a bit domestic abusey. Is that what that song's about? <laughs> I don't think so. But is that how you sing it? <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I'm going to it. That's okay. I just I think some kind of depth <laughs> i feel like the film lacked depth and so some depth of relationship some depth of love some love love that had stood the test because there was no real tested love yeah that's true the only people who've been married a long time were, were sort of splitting pe- up or not and then yeah. i mean there was the test of um kira knightley and her new husband Chuitel oh yeah they seemed happy that's nice. well apart from she's She's given his best mate a snog because he's written on some cards. Oh, not a snog. That was only a okay. She's she hasn't slipped in the tongue. No, they they were a happy couple. I just they had to add in another man to give it a bit of unhappiness. <laughs> <laughs> add a man for unhappiness. But I guess ten happy couples would sitting be on <laughs> a boring film. Yeah, but I'm not asking for ten. I'm asking for like one interesting relationship rather than 10 like surface level shaggy relationships yeah Does that make sense yeah i don't know i feel like we've been a little bit down on this film even though i love th- i love this film yeah and i d- i don't i don't hate it i feel like you know uh, i want to make that clear i don't hate it i just it doesn't live up to the expectation not from you really but everyone seems to think this is the Christmas film. This is the Christmas romance film. And I think if you go into it thinking that, actually a lot of the romance is kind of shallow and, and a bit not that rewarding. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's just not great. Mm. So should I talk about Christmas special part two? Yeah, which is actually the last in this The last season. in this current series because we're going to take a Christmas break after these. But thank you all so much. I'll say thank you now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your comments. Thank you for liking our posts when we put them up. This has been fun so far. Yeah, it's been really fun. I actually prefer to watch a Dan film and make you watch a Han film than to just compromise. What we did before this podcast is just sort of pick a film that really... Neither of us liked. Yeah. That was a bit of a compromise, and we'd sort of both half watch it and then be like, "Oh, relationships." 
(laughs) (laughs) But I actually prefer to be all in and taking notes and watching some of your films and then have the fun of you watching my films. I feel like it's actually a better way to do things than just some kind of compromise that we're both not that bothered about. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it and I've enjoyed... Uh, you know, I wouldn't normally have sat down and gone, yeah, I'll watch Love Actually with you, dear. Because no, no, you I would have <laughs> I would have been on my phone or I would have read a book or I would have, you know, done something else. And so now I've seen it and I think there are some good bits, there are some good performances. So it's a, it's a fun way to do it. So there is a part two coming. Uh, it's another Alan Rickman Christmas film. Has it got Alan Rickman in? It has got Alan Rickman in. Oh, the evil man. It's Die Hard. And I don't want to hear any any nonsense from you lot out there that <laughs> this isn't a Christmas film. This is as much a Christmas film as Love Actually. Mm. And I'm prepared to fight you for it. It's it. funny that we say that thing about Snogs and Death because my Christmas <laughs> film oh dear. Is, at, is called Love Actually. And my Christmas <laughs> film is called Die <laughs> Hard. <laughs> They're like the perfect films <laughs> that really encapsulate um, what we look for in a film. Is he gay? Richard Curtis? Yeah. I've never had sex with him. <laughs> oh, the definition of gay. If that's the definition of gay, then nobody's gay. <laughs> Apart from you. Okay, I, th- I, th- I think we should. I think we should end now. I think we should cut that out. Um, <laughs> um, we're on Instagram. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, where you can leave us a review. Um, and some stars, preferably five. We'd love some stars, but, you know, keep it real. If you think this is uh, a three-star podcast, <laughs> let us know why. No, p- privately. <laughs> and then... Send us a private message. <laughs> Not a message of your privates, gentlemen. <laughs> I think we've got silly now. I think it's time to stop. Good night. Mm-hmm.